We have been looking at gifts of Christmas, um, you know, some of, some of what we've been given, some of what we have been given with uh, the coming of Christ. We've already looked at uh, grace and inclusion, forgiveness, and tabernacle, that's today, tabernacle. Now that might sound odd to you, um, but what it, what it means is, you know, God, God is with us. He is living with us. He has made that choice. I think it'll make sense, make more sense to you as we go along today, but let's pray and then we'll turn to our passage. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you have given us in so many ways, unfolded for us and, um, and blessed us with. Um, we're very grateful. And part of that is your word that helps us to see and understand you better. I pray that that will be the result of our time here now, that we will see and understand you better as we look into your word once again. Uh, that you will help us to see you more clearly, uh, see ourselves uh, more clearly. Sometimes that's a little unnerving, but necessary. I pray that you will help us to rejoice in you, God our Savior, uh, today, and that we'll be able to carry that on into each day you give us. Uh, so guide this time for your glory and honor, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in John chapter 1, that should say, not 14. Who typed that? Well, that would be me. Uh, John chapter 1, not John chapter 14. You can turn to John chapter 14 if you'd like, but it won't look anything like what I'm going over. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, page 975. We're most familiar with the accounts of, of uh, Jesus' birth from uh, Matthew and Luke. That gives us Joseph and Mary's perspective a little bit. And we're, we're used to those, and we're used to seeing those, and we're used to hearing how those uh, you know, unfold. Those are the verses that are normally read and looked at and focused on. Mark, in his gospel, pretty much ignores the birth of Christ. And what he does is he jumps right in, uh, and he starts with John the Baptist ministry and moves right into the baptism of Jesus and uh, goes on from there into his public ministry. Uh, John's account is here in chapter one, and uh, as, you know, w- with that account, he begins with Jesus from eternity past and takes us, uh, you know, up through his birth. There, uh, we're going to read it in just smaller, smaller groupings of verses as we walk through the passage. There's several realities about Christ that I, I want us to see as we really work into this whole picture of of him tabernacling, tabernacle, of, of, of that idea of tabernacle, him being uh, together with us. Verse 1, follow along, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now there's the first reality that kind of unfolds for us right there, is that uh, Jesus is eternal. You know, he is eternal. Notice it says he was in the beginning. In the beginning was God. He was already there. You know, he, in the beginning, he already existed. He was, he was there, and when the beginning began, whenever that was, you can choose whatever you want. When the beginning began, he was already there. In the beginning was God. He was there. There was never a time that he did not exist. Never a time he, you know, that he did not exist. Now, it's a scientific principle that for something to exist, it had to come from something or be created by something 
you know, something greater, something more than itself. You know, for example, when you see a car, you know that somebody put all of those pieces together to make a car. The car did not make itself. Uh, you know, it, it did not simply appear out of nothing. It didn't morph into a car, you know, by itself. It, it wasn't the, you know, the elements of the earth all came together and formed steel, and then this steel just formed all these other. That's, you know, that that's not what happened. Uh, you, you know, what something, someone, or something, you know, had to have the power and the knowledge to be able to make the parts, and then to be able to bring all of those parts together to make an automobile. Now, when we see this building, you know, we know that these these bricks didn't just simply, uh, you know, start to line up and start to pile up. We know that somebody mixed the mortar and put that together and laid these out in such a way that, you know, that it would stand without falling over. Uh, you know, we, we, we know that, that that's what happened there, you know, and it formed a building. Uh, when you look at creation, the plants, the animals, the planets, the stars, I notice a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the little girls have uh, stars on their dresses and shirts and things today. When, when God formed, you know, when when we look and we see all of those things that are out there, you know, the planet scientifically it had to come from something. It had to have a cause. There had to be a cause there for it. Somewhere in history, somewhere, you know, in the past, there had to be a first cause, an originating point. There had to be an originator for everything. Uh, you know, it, it, you know the, there had to be someone or something that started it all. Even scientifically, if you continue to go back, there had to be an uncaused cause that began it all. There is, that's God. God is the one who was there and who was there in the very beginning. And in the beginning... God was there. He already existed. You know, he is, he's eternal. Now, uh, you know, it, it's not only that Jesus is eternal, but also what this lays out for us there is, you know, that he's, you know, that he is also creator. Verse 3 says, all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. All things were created by him. He is, you know, he was eternal. He was there in the beginning and he was the one who created all. He is, Jesus is that uncaused first cause of everything. He is the creator. Other scriptures tell us this as well. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, it says, For everything was created by him. Everything was created by him. Verse 3, you know, tells us, you know, apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible, the invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through him and for him. All things. All things created through him and for him. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 says, In these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, uh, God has appointed him heir over all things and made the universe through him. He made that universe through him. He was, he is, you know, he is that creator of Romans chapter 11. It says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. From him, through him, to him, it says, all things. 
are all things. The New American Standard words, uh, verse 3 of, of John chapter 1, very clearly, it says, All things came into being through him, and apart from him not even one thing came into being that has come into being. He is responsible for all things, uh, for all of creation that you see there. He's not simply the agent of creation. He is the creator, the one who created as part of the triune God. You know, he is that creator. He is God. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses mistakenly, very mistakenly, uh, mistranslate verse 1 to say that the word was a God, a lowercase g. Uh, that is not only an inconsistent translation, it does violence to uh, you know, the ways they translate the other things. They're, they're trying to denigrate who he is. He is God, and he is, you know, he is eternal, and he is the creator. It goes on, verse 4, it says, Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. <coughs> Excuse me. So Jesus is the source of life. He's that source of life, the giver, the giver of life, if you will. Life originated within himself. He's the source. He is the initiator. He is the instigator of life, the one who caused it to happen. You know, he, he is th- that key to all of life. He is the key to why all of life exists. Again, we're told in other places. John chapter 11 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Did you see what he says there? I am the resurrection and the life. He is, you know, he is that life and the, the, the cause, the initiator of all life. First John chapter 5 says, And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. You know, he is that, that, that cause, initiator of life. John chapter 10, I give them eternal life and they will never perish ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Life didn't just happen by chance. It didn't just, you know, it, it wasn't through a process of evolution. You know, that isn't how it came to be. You know, there's so many, so many struggles with that. You know, the reality, even on a scientific level, you know, it was an intentional, purposeful action by God. Life came by a very intentional, very, you know, very purposeful action by God. He is a source of life and the only source of eternal life. You know, he was very clear on that. You know, I give them eternal life. He is the source of life and the only source of eternal life. There are not many ways. You know, there are not many ways, and it's not that that all you know all of these religions you know are you know are different paths to the same place. That's not true at all. There is no other way to eternal life with God. Jesus was very clear on that fact as he was talking with his disciples, and you know, and, and the words that, you know are there for us as well. He says, "Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life.'" Very exclusive claim. The way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. No one, not a single person. Now someone can say, well, you know, that's, 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 that's rude. That's, you know. No. Realize what Jesus was doing here wasn't being arrogant. He wasn't being, he wasn't being dismissive. He was being clear. Very clear. This verse is in response to Thomas's question, where Thomas said, "Lord, we, you know, Jesus was, was telling him. He said, 
he said that don't let your hearts be troubled believe in god believe also in me in my father's house are many dwelling places if it were not so i would have told you for i am going to prepare a place for you i'm going to prepare a place for you that where i am there you may be also and thomas said lord we don't know we don't know where you are going how do we know the way jesus response to that was this verse jesus told him in response to that question, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus wasn't, wasn't you know, being, being rude or arrogant. He was being clear. He was answering a very specific question that was asked to him by one of his followers. And he was giving a very clear answer so that they would know the way, so that they wouldn't miss the way, so that they could find out you know, how to get there. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Tonight, after, after the service tonight, you know, we're, we're, you know, you're invited to come over to our house. Some say, well, we don't know where you live. I'm going to give you a map. Guess where that map will lead you? To our house. Because that's where I want you to end up. God doesn't... When I was a kid, I remember being... When I was a kid, I was a jerk, you know, and so were some of you. So uh, Anyway, I very clearly remember... Uh, we were by Chicago Road. You know, I, I live just off of Chicago Road, which again means nothing to you. But uh, this fellow stopped and asked for directions. I had no idea where he wanted to go. And I said, not a problem. I said, you just drive down this road, Chicago Road, to the end. I said, and then it'll turn right and, and you can't miss it. It had nothing to do with where he wanted to go. I was taking him to Thornton by that quarry, that big hole in the ground you see when you go down 294. I had no idea where I was, you know, I had no idea where the guy wanted to go. I said, that's not what God says to us. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And he gave him very clear, this is a loving statement from a loving God who does not want his people lost, who does not want people misdirected, who wants people to very clearly be able to find him and be able to find the way. And when he said, I am the way, the truth, you share this with other people and they're going to say, well, that's rude, that's ignorant. No, it's clear. It's clear. God wanted to be clear so you wouldn't miss it. You know, it, it doesn't cut any, it, it, well, I was going to say it doesn't cut other, other, other ways out. What it does is it, it, is it makes very clear the real way, the true way, not the way of some jerk telling you, well, just go down the end of the road and you can't miss it. You see, God is that's a, just a very clear statement for us. He's the source. He's the giver of life and the source, the only source and giver of eternal life. But the scripture goes on. It also tells us, you know, that he is light. You know, he is light. Uh, you know, here as well, he's the source. He's the giver, the originator of light. But more than that, he's light himself. John chapter 8 says, then Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. John chapter 12, he said, I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. First John, uh, first John hits this uh, subject very, very well. He says, now this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light 
and there is absolutely no darkness in him. You see, God is light. Jesus, what did he say? I am the light. Very clearly, very clear that connection, you know, that he is God and that he is there. You know, light and darkness are often used in scripture to contrast, you know, to contrast, you know, that which is in line with God, uh, that which is, you know, where God is, that light, and who God is, light, as opposed to those things that are contrary to God and opposed to God and, and come against him. You know, and, and he's trying to be very, very clear you know, with who he is and what he has for us. You know, he is, he is that light. Verse 6, in, in John chapter 1, verse 6, he says, There was a man named John who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, these those verses are about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was that that forerunner. Uh, you know, his ministry was to be a forerunner for Christ. You know, a forerunner went ahead to announce the one that was coming behind. They went ahead to make that announcement that this important person was coming, so people would be ready to receive that person properly. You see, and. and he, we have the news, you know, and we have newscast and, 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 you know, news. I remember when, uh, when President Trump came to Fort Wayne, the only president that came to Fort Wayne since I've been here. I know Ronald Reagan was here, you know, but I wasn't. Uh, and I remember, um, it, when he was coming in and he was coming up, uh, 69, we were, I was on Illinois Road. Traffic was nuts. It was a mess. And there were these, uh, the, the, uh, big, dump trucks with the snow plows on them and they were on the side of the road and as soon as I went by one pulled out behind me and dropped that plow down boom you know in the road was they were blocking the road so nobody could be on there as the president was coming down you know how they knew he was coming he told them he was coming you see so they could prepare Uh, they had you know they they didn't have the news like we do they didn't have John the Baptist was that forerunner. He was the one who came to make that announcement. He says, so that all might believe. He came to testify about the light so all might believe through him, through Christ. You know, he wanted people to be properly ready. He was a witness to testify about the light, about Jesus. That's the responsibility that we now have. That's the responsibility he has given to us, to those who have a relationship with Christ. In Acts chapter 1, as, you know, as they're preparing and going out with the ministry, Jesus, before he, was, before he ascended, he tells them, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He says, you will be my witnesses, and you are the ones who are going to carry this message on. We have that responsibility now. We have that you know, responsibility of being that forerunner. And as Jesus prayed with his, with his disciples after the Last Supper, he also prayed for us in John chapter 17. He says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their message. All of those who will continue to come through that message. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us so that the world may believe. That same message that John was tasked with. 
so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me. May they be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they be made completely one so the world may know. You see, he said that three times to them there in that prayer as he's praying. So that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me as you have loved them. We're to tell others. We're to tell others, you know, that Jesus has come. We're to tell others uh, about his love for people people we are to be the ones as john went forward and let them know that that you know jesus was was coming and who he is and the messiah was there and we are to do that to share that and to to tell others that he has come uh, then you know john the author of the gospel not, not 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 john the baptist he focuses on jesus again in verse 10 says he, speaking of Jesus, he was in the world and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Those who were born of God. There's another statement that, that Jesus is the creator right there at verse 10. It's a, you know, a clearer statement that he created the world. He was in the world. The world was created through him. You know, the world meaning all that we see and, and, and more. You know, all that we see and as well as what we don't see. He's the creator of all creation. Nothing, nothing was excluded, you know, as he created. He came to the world that he created. It said he was in the world. He came to his own people. You know, he came to that world he created. To his own people, it says, but they rejected him. They wouldn't listen. They closed their mind to Jesus as the Messiah. They closed their mind to Jesus as Christ. You know, they closed their mind to that. His own people... What he's talking there is that he, they came, he came to the Jews and the Jews rejected him. You see, because being right with God is not a matter of nationality. It is not a matter of family connections. One of the things I have loved about this church since I came, you know, 30, a little over 33 years ago, is the families that we have in here today we have great grandparents along with their children who would be grandparents along with their children who would be you know, the parents along, uh, and the grandchildren, and then the great-grandchildren. We have families. What a gift. What a gift that is. But, that doesn't save you. The fact that your parents, grandparents, great-grandparents know Jesus doesn't mean that you have eternal life.
look at it from the other way now too. You great-grandparents, grandparents, parents. Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren don't have eternal life because they're related to you. It's our responsibility and privilege to be able to share with them the reality of who Christ is. Of what he has given us. You know, the fact that he came, you know, he came to the world. He came to his own people. It's not a a matter of, of nationality. It's not a matter of family ties. It is that personal connection with Christ. And we have that responsibility to be able to share that so that our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandchildren embrace and know who Jesus is. I'm thrilled that, you know, that they come here and I'm thrilled that they come as families. But it's not because we're here that we have eternal life. It's because Jesus came and gave his life on the cross and we have that relationship with him. Make that clear to your kids. Make that clear to your grandchildren, to your great-grandchildren. Make that clear. He goes on, verse 14, and here's here's where the whole picture of tabernacle came from. Verse 14, the word became flesh and took up residence among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only, the, uh, the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God himself became flesh. God himself took on humanity. Jesus was God in the flesh. He was God in the flesh. And, and many, you know, many of his followers, many of his people, notice what it says, they observed his glory. They saw how he lived. They saw how he conducted himself. They saw the miracles he performed. They saw his wisdom. They heard his his teaching. And they found all of them to be evidence that God, you know, that Jesus is indeed God. That Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be. And notice it says there that he... He took up residence among us. Now, if you have a Holman Christian Standard Bible, uh, there's a footnote there uh, concerning, uh, regarding the word residence, where it says he took up residence. That is the word tabernacled. That he came and tabernacled among us. He came and tabernacled with us, not in the sense of a building, but in the purpose of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. He came to dwell with, he came to take up residence with us. You know, in Jesus, God came to live with his people. God came to live with us. You know, that's, that's made clear, you know, in familiar verses we often refer to at Christmas. Uh, the, the, the prophecy spoken by Isaiah, you know, in chapter 7, says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, and the virgin will conceive and have a son, and name him Emmanuel. That prophecy was fulfilled by Jesus. So we're told in Matthew chapter 1, it says, See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated... God is with us, with us. See, the importance of God's presence 
overflows in the Old Testament. It, you have many verses listed you know, in, your, in your bulletin there. I'm just going to very quickly go through them. But notice what he says. You know, over and over again, he's talking about the fact that I will be with you. It's an important theme throughout the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 26. It says, stay in the land as a foreigner, and I will be with you and bless you. For I give you all these lands to you and your offspring. I will confirm the oath that I swore to your father. I will be with you. Genesis chapter 31. Then the Lord said to him, go back to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. Exodus chapter 3. He said, but I will be with you, and this will be a sign for you. I will be with you, he said. Deuteronomy chapter 31. The Lord commissioned Joshua, son of Nun, be strong and courageous. For you will bring the Israelites into the land I swore to them, and I will be with you. And then he said in Joshua chapter, chapter 1, No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you, just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or forsake you. Joshua chapter 3, The Lord spoke to Joshua today, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so that they may know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Judges, chapter 6, But I will be with you, the Lord said to him. First Kings, uh, chapter 11, After that, if you obey all the commands, if you walk in my ways, if you do what is right in my sight in order to keep my statutes and my commands as my servant David did, I will be with you. Isaiah chapter 43, I will be with you. I love this passage. I will be with you when you pass through the waters, when you pass through the rivers. They will not overwhelm you. Why? Because I will be with you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire and the flame will not burn. Why? Because I will be with you. Jeremiah chapter 1, do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to deliver you. This is the Lord's declaration. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 30, for I will be with you. This is the Lord's declaration to save you. Jeremiah chapter 46, and you, my servant Jacob, do not be afraid. This is the Lord's declaration, for I will be with you over and over and over and over and over again. We have those words in, in the, out throughout the Old Testament. The, the importance of the Lord's presence, that I will be with you. And the reality of God's presence, the reality of that, you know, God being with his people was made permanent in the birth of Jesus. God taking on humanity. Matthew chapter 28. <clears throat> Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. In John chapter 14, it says, And I ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world's unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. John chapter 14 verse 20. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. See, one of the gifts of Christmas is that the eternal creator, the source of life, the light of the world, the God who came in the flesh, came to live with us. And he is with us still.
He is with us still. The Word became flesh and took up residence, tabernacled, chose to live among and with His people. Still. Not ancient history, but a present reality. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the gift of your presence. And that's what we're celebrating. That's what we're remembering. As we remember that you came and you chose to take up residence, to tabernacle among us. Never to leave us, never to forsake us, never to have us on our own. To you, Father, open our eyes. To you, we want to live for your glory and for your honor with the reality of what it means to live with God. The creator, the sustainer, the giver of life, the forgiver of our sins. Thank you for this gift. We pray with great thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.